let's uh, come in prayer before our Father. Dear Dad, you are the Father of truth. And we've been blessed this week to be reminded that there are two kingdoms at work in this universe. And the King of Kings, we can call by name our daddy. I want to thank you for the ability of Jesus Christ to be able to do that. For the blood that he shed and the right that he gave us to come before your throne today. To thank you, Lord, by the blessing that we have in him. For now, Lord, our heart is hid with Christ on high. Our life is hid there. Your promises are what give us hope. Your resurrection is the glory that lies ahead. And your calling is what driv drives us today. We continue to pray for your grace to come upon us. We continue to pray, Lord, for forgiveness. We ask, Lord, that you teach us how to walk in the spirit rather than in the flesh. We pray, Lord, for the foundation of your truth to overtake who we are today. We thank you for the word that you bring in before us. As we come to worship you, Lord, we worship you with a part of that which you have given to us. So receive it, Lord, as a thanksgiving offering to you for the maintaining and expanding of your kingdom here on earth. We continue to pray, Lord, for the teachers, the, the students that will begin school this week, Lord, amidst a troubled and wicked generation, Lord, Protect them from error. Protect them, Lord, from so much evil. Let you be their lighthouse, their stronghold. Let our churches be a refuge that speak truth into people's life. We thank you, Lord, once again for this day. And now, Lord, quiet our hearts as we seek your voice that you have given us through your word. And we ask the Holy Spirit to work on our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for being with us today. Um, it will be a slightly different day. As I've said earlier, after the worship service, you'd be more than welcome to come downstairs with us. We will be serving pizza and salad and for you to uh, just uh, get to know uh, some of the people here at our church better. Uh, we have been going as a church through the Bible, and we have reached First Kings, and some of the stories that we have read uh, through Samuel and uh, Kings will be repeated in Chronicles as well. Please don't, uh, don't catch up. If you have left that behind, continue to read with us. The reading Bible plan is back there. It's a two years, so it's a more relaxed. You'll be reading either one, zero, or two chapters a day. We simply would ask that you at least do it once a week as a family together. Read it together as a family and pray together. The other times you may individually do it, uh, but we want to emphasize that this was supposed to be 
a family building event where we follow the design of God's unit for society, which is the family, and that ought to be the primary spiritual place for you. Church is secondary. So this is uh, uh, God's design for who we are in Him. Uh, we, uh, it is not by design that our passage today kind of matches very well with the theme of our VBS, and it wasn't planned or pre-planned, but sometimes the Holy Spirit works that way. Well, things may seem to be a, you know, just fall into place or, uh, you know, happen out of nowhere, but to God, we can surprise God. They don't. So this was not premeditated. Um, but anyway, as we speak about truth, what would you say is the opposite of truth? Lies. Can you find another word? Deception. Another word? Starts with E, ends with R. Error. Okay. Those for people who are more technical. Error, deception, lies. It is pretty clear uh, that the line between truth and error uh, or truth and lie, it's fairly clear. Can these lines be complicated? I'm glad someone said deception. Because deception is not really the opposite of truth and a lie. Is mingling the two together. Mingling the two together. And as we have come at the end life of David, David was in a position in his life where his kingdom was in a mess. The, you know, there was a lot of gossip, a lot of division, a lot of enmity. The door was cracked open through his own sin of breaking God's design and being in lust. And we come to the end of his reign and he's pulling, he's redeeming things back together. And he's giving instructions to his son who's going to follow him. And his name is Solomon. And as we come to Solomon, let's go to the next slide, Bogan. As we come into Solomon's life in the first two chapters of Kings, he's giving him instructions of what to do. So Solomon is eliminating all the people that David said, I will not touch them, but they're your strong enemies. Solomon is following all the instructions of his father, and he's beginning to see the country unified and free of problems that haunted David most of his reign. Now, Solomon is fairly young, and he is dealing with all of those things. He has his dad around. He has a cabinet and advisors. But just like you and I, he realizes that there is a gap. Even though he's very learned, he seems to listen to advice and very smart He's missing something. How many of you are good at memorizing things? Yeah, so if you're good at memorizing things, people may think you're smart. They may even say, well, why don't you go become a pharmacist? 
How many of you are good at analyzing data? You can analyze data and you become analytical. And if you can analyze data, people may say, well, you know, that's another smart person. Some people are pretty good because they can put things together and they can use knowledge to, you know, to, to make things. So they're, they're intelligent, they're innovative. We find many words that we use in our society for being intelligent, smart, analytical, and all, you know, all sorts of things. But what does it really mean to be wise versus all those other adjectives that we spoke about? Yeah, you know, you're intelligent, you're smart. All of those things deal with the fact of how you are. And it is something that you deal with in your own life. Wisdom has nothing to do with you because wisdom is that which you receive from outside or from above. And let's take it in a pagan setting. In a pagan setting, there is such thing as wisdom. How do people get wisdom in a pagan setting? They associate that with white hair. So it is because of experiences. As you can see, even in a worldly setting, someone's called wise because they have learned or been influenced for that which came from the outside. So we call them wise people. Now, in James, God tells us, ask for wisdom, and God shall grant it to you. So now, even in the Christian realm, the Lord is telling us, wisdom does not originate within us. Even though we have the Holy Spirit, it does not originate within us. Those are people who had the Holy Spirit. The, James is speaking to the church. He says, if you need wisdom, do what? Ask for it. That which comes from above. As we can see here, this story deals with this reality. Let's read. We're going to read through it. And uh, usually we take it more into depth, but today it will be not our usual Sunday. Solomon made a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt. He took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her into the city of David until he had finished building his own house in the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. Now, as you can see here, his wife, he destroyed, he made marriages to be said to have peace. Po you know, politically, he's doing very well. The people were sacrificing at high places. However, because no house had yet been built for the name of the Lord. You have no idea how relevant this verse is to you and I today. This is extremely, extremely relevant. There is a spiritual virus and sickness that has invaded the church. And that is, you would understand this if you understand what it meant for people to sacrifice at high places. What does it mean for people to sacrifice at high places? God told them the only place to sacrifice is before the tabernacle. But there was convenience 
and comfort that they saw from how the rest of the world worshipped. And they rose a high place and they said, I'm not going to travel. It's inconvenient there. I'm just going to do it for the Lord here at a high place rather than at the tabernacle. Their heart is good. Their intent is good. What are they doing? They're breaking the design. I hope you're not getting sick of me showing to you how breaking the design is a major issue to a life of sin and idolatry that will follow. That once we have broken the design, we are lost. You don't have to sin. Eve did not have to sin. She just had to take her face and her eyes off from the Lord and what he said. Come and look at the tree. Oh, it looks good. And it's appetizing. The design was broken. The design was broken. The design here is a problem. And let's see what the word of God tells us. So Solomon loved the Lord. Walking in the statue of David, his father, only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. What was the difference between Solomon and David? Worship came to a cost to David. It doesn't mean that it didn't come to a cost to Solomon. Let's go to the next slide. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Did it cost him? It cost him a lot. Maybe it cost him more than it cost David. But what did it cost David? Time, energy, preparation. Why? Because he had to go much further. He had to use a lot more energy. It was inconvenient. Why? It didn't give you free time for other things. It is different if you're in the Word of God and you're praying as you're reading with the church and you're expecting the Lord to speak to you today versus then you say, Ah, I guess it's Saturday to me. in advance because this is not for those who are sick, ill, or incapacitated or far away watching with us but we have raised a high place in the church because of this spiritual sickness why we empower convenience Christianity by telling people you can watch online from home because I tell you I also think I would benefit to be in my pajamas, in my recliner in front of the screen with a mug of coffee and with something, maybe my wife. I can even tell my wife to cook me something so I feel like a king in my own home while I'm supposed to worship the king. There's this spiritual sickness in the ranks of Christianity called 
convenience Christianity and it is taking the church by storm and it's invading our lives. So please, if you don't come to this church and you watch right now online, please don't watch us anymore. Go to your local church and serve the Lord. We cannot lift high places in our own worship places today. But wait a minute, it said that Solomon loved the Lord. Do you see what happens when you break the design? You can love the Lord and still be misguided. So what is the design? Think of it as a river. The river carves a channel. What happens when that channel is obstructed or, or compromised? It floods. God's design ought to build what? Channels in our life in how we do things for, the, for His Spirit, for His truth, for His power, for His voice to run through but because of seeing where Solomon was at Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night and God said ask what I shall give you wow how many of you would wish God asked you that how many of you wish God asked you that only a few of you? You know, I always thought that. Do you know why I don't wish it anymore? Because he's given us his son, Jesus. And I began to pray about what would I possibly ask. And I realized that the end of my asking a requirement ended in giving us his son. There ought to be the highest blessing of you when you come to church and you partake of the Lord's Supper, of his broken blood, of his broken body and his shed blood for you. And that, no one can do that for you. That is a truth that ought to come from within your heart. That is the high place for us. That is the spiritual altar that flows from his cross to us. But Solomon, understanding that he's good, he followed advice, he has all those people, he's dead, he's learned from worldly wisdom, he's realizing something. And Solomon said, you have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart towards you. Now, those three things he says and he's supposed to follow, it's the third uprightness of heart towards you that we will see that it, was, it will come to the demise of Solomon. Solomon being the wisest man 
apart from our Lord Jesus, who is not just a man, but is also God to walk on this earth. And you have kept for him this great and steadfast love and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. He is not being selfish. He's simply saying, you have kept your end of the burden and your word, and here I am undeservedly on the throne. There was a lot of mess, as you read, into David's family and life. But God's word prevailed. God's word prevailed. What, what this means to us is that I am seeing here that before wisdom can approach, there needs to be an attitude of humility. What, what Solomon is saying in your life and my life, before wisdom can approach, before I can be blessed from above, there needs to be a recognition about God's word, its height, and its place in your life. Otherwise, you will not do well. Let's move to the next slide. And now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father, although I am but a little child. He's not a little child, but he is compared to the old people there. And I do not know how to go out or come in. To go out and come in? To go out where and to come in? Let's, let's wait for that. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen a great people. I don't have the relationship that my father had with you. I'm in the midst of people who are needy and problems. I don't know how to deal with my relationship with you to be translated to the people. A great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern these, your great people? Sometimes you have to be careful about what you ask, but this is a good thing. When the Lord, you have the right design to go back and to see God is faithful and he keeps his word. And that is above myself. And you humble yourself to say, I need. Now it is the correct design for you and I to receive what? Wisdom. What, what is he saying is, I have the design and it is not for the benefit of self. I'm doing it for whom? For the people. He did not ask, what shall I give you? He does not ask for something he selfishly wants. He asked for what the people need. Do you think God will like this answer? Yeah, because Jesus says, if you want to come after me, deny self, pick up your cross. You see, that, that, that design of wisdom was taught through the Holy Spirit to David and to Solomon back then. You know, we, we know better now because we have the cross and Jesus is our Lord. And we already knew this for how he works in our relationship with him. But we see clearly back then as well. 
Let's move to the next slide. It pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. It pleased the Lord. Would you like to please the Lord? Would you? How important is that to you? It is very. We have one great passage that tells us that in Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please God. When he surrendered himself and he asked for this, what is he saying? I need a continual relationship with you to pour into me. It pleased the Lord, even though it's for the people. You know what that means? You and I are just vessels. The best connection we can have is when we are this vessel, like a pitcher that the Lord fills, and then we get poured out by his hand for the benefit of others. It's a beautiful picture of the potter and the clay. And he wants to be made a vessel. This is, will be exemplified in the life of Christ for you and I. He pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this. And God said to him, because you have asked this and have not asked for yourself. Long life or riches or the life of your enemies. But have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, I now do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and a discerning mind, so that none like you has ever been before you, or none like you shall rise after you. Wow. That would be pretty good if God says that to you and I. And we're there, why? Because Jesus is wisdom. So we have this reality in our life. Let's move to the next slide. I give you also what you have not asked. What a God we have. Why does he give what he did not ask? Because God said, tell me what I should give you. He did not, he did not give an answer what he wants for himself. But God asked him for yourself. Interestingly enough, God realizes what he's asked. So he's going to give above and beyond to him now. Both riches and honor so that no other king shall compare with you all your days. And if you will walk in my ways and keep my statutes, so there's the righteousness, there's the faithfulness, and my command is, as your father walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, and he offered up the burned and peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. What's the difference after the Lord visited him in his worship? He went where? Before the ark. When you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you will likely be ministering like you are in a high place. This is something that happens in people's lives. When you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, 
you will not know that many times you're approaching worship as though you're going to a high place. And guess what? You're good to go because everyone else does the same thing. That's the majority of the people. I'm going to do what the rest of the Christians do. That's got to be good, right? Majority rule, right? Is that, is that what God tells us, that the majority rule is the way to go? So that's what we have in our church. The, the majority rule gives us the direction. God, forgive us. Do you see how easy it is for us to rise high places within a church? We don't even need effort to do it. And Solomon awoke. Did he awake from his dream or did he awaken into a new life? Interesting. Interesting for you to, to, to realize. It wasn't just an awakening. It was a changing as well. When you are in the presence of the life giver, of the wisdom, of the truth, there ha you need to experience awakening moments. Both in your worship, in your knowledge, in your understanding, in your wisdom. And because we have high places in our churches, we don't have that many what? Personal testimonies. We can recount knowledge we have people who study. We have people who do all of those things that are real, literally high places. And they do it with good intention. They put a lot of work in it. Not realizing that it discredits them from being awakened. Worship is what directs our life. And he starts very well, Solomon, here. Then he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant. Well, the high place was much closer. What happened? Why did he go to Jerusalem once of a sudden? And often burnt up offerings and peace offerings. It doesn't even tell us how much. Notice that. Don't let the right hand know from the left, right, how much you give. Man, there's a lot of changes that are happening. That's what happens when God comes to town. Changes happen. Let's see, if, as we explain this, what happens. Let's move to the next. We'll finish in about 10 minutes. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. Interestingly enough, do not be shocked. The closer you walk to the Lord... And the better place you begin to invade, the more you'll attract the other side. The more you'll attract the other side. Prostitutes shouldn't even be in Israel. They should have been stoned. The one woman said, oh my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house. And I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Whoa. How come he didn't get stoned? I don't know. Then on the third day after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth. And we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. 
aren't you glad that we sinners can come to the throne of grace? This is telling us none of us are better than the picture that we have here. But there's a throne of grace. And I'm glad that this is an image of Jesus that's being represented in part here for Solomon. Let's see how Jesus will deal with this. Then on the third day, after I gave birth, this woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one else with us in the house. Only we two were in the house. No one ever picks up on this story. What is the most troubling word in that verse 18? Excuse me? Yes. How can you say we and alone in the same sentence? How can you say we and alone in the same sentence? Now he also bothers us with the setting. How can they get all the way up to the king? Because if you have something like this, you know, the president won't take your, hey, I got something I need you to solve. I need to come to the White House right now. Because we see the right design. There were no two witnesses present. And there was no direction, so they had to come up to be judged. Please note, we started with, there is confusion between truth and error sometimes. Truth and lies. And there is deception that begins to happen. And we will see now how this happens. We already see the sin has been very gravely even though they were living together, they were the same practice, they were not together. You know, I, it's one of the worst things for, for, for me to come and to hear couples say, you know, I, I'm married, but I feel like I'm alone. Or I'm alone, we're alone. Because, and you say, well, pastor, you're very kind-hearted. I'm not kind-hearted in that way. I don't feel bad because you tell me you're alone and for your emotional status I'm feeling bad because sin got you to that place. Sin divided you so much to instill that reality in your marriage and in your home. Let's move to the next slide. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. And when she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me, while your servant slept and laid him at her breast and laid her dead son at my breast. When I rose in the morning to nurse my child, behold, <coughs> he was dead. But when I looked at him closely in the morning, behold, he was not the child that I had born. Now, this is an interesting situation. Very interesting situation. Who is born here? No, I'm the only one who was born here? If you're here, you were born. Do you know what the Lord Jesus tells us? For those who believe in me have stepped from death unto life. 
if Jesus looks at my birth life and calls it death, am I different than the child who died? But there's another life that lives. There's another life that lives. This bigger story tells me that there are two lives. And what is the only way life will survive? If it is anchored in truth. Let's see how truth will deal with this by wisdom, by our God. Let's move to the next slide. But the other woman said, no, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. The first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. Then the king said, then the, the one says, this is my son that is alive and your son is dead. And the other says, no, but your son is dead and my son is the living one. And the king said, bring me a sword. So basically, you have two people here. They both look the same, but one of them, if you take the clothing off, the Bible says is a wolf. The other one looks like a sheep and is a sheep. The other one is a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing. But the testimony is we cannot tell them apart and their testimony gives right with that which is visible. The deception. That's inlaid. Hey, look around you. All of us look like sheep. Bring me a sword. So a sword was brought before the king, and the king said, Divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Let's move to the next slide. Then the woman whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king answered and said, Give the living child to the first woman and by no means put him to death. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment that the kid had rendered, and they stood in awe of the king because they perceived that the wisdom of God was in him to do justice. How do we know? How do we know? A wolf in sheep's clothing. Not by their testimony. Not by why they do. Not by the miracles that may happen. Didn't I heal people in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? But you shall know them by their fruit. What is the highest fruit? Love. Unselfish love. The Holy Spirit was at work there. Bring me a sword. What's the sword spiritually? The word of God. And it is there not to cut, but to divide 
the wool from the sheep to discern a discerning mind. Did I only asked you as a family, read God's word. Because error, lies, sin, high places, it's all over in our lives, in our society, even in our churches. And the reason why I asked, I said, well, Pastor, now you make me feel good because it means you're trying to decide whether we are a sheep in sheep's clothing or a wolf in sheep's clothing. And I said, oh, that's fine. If the Lord said do it that way, why can't I also go with the same example? It is the word of God that will bring about the truth as it does what? It surfaces with how did it surface? With love. Love is what needs to happen at the end of the day. Not how right you are. Not that you're right over another and someone's wrong. Not that you can do things better than another. Not that you can be holier than other. Not that you can have better scheming than others. Truth anchors love. The foundation with the aim of our charge. It's a foundation of truth and an aim of love. Do you know what the world calls fake love? Niceness. And they prey on Christians because I'm expecting Christians to be nice. So I can take advantage of them. That's the fake love. And it's a great tool that our society uses against us. As we come today, we see wisdom is necessary to create a channel in your life for truth to be coupled with love eventually. And if that river the design of God is not in your life, it is still obstructed. Just think over the last week over your relationships. Was it, was it a floodgates of love to people around you? A love that is truly in truth, not affected the woman was sour. She lost her baby. She wanted justice. So I don't want her to have it. So cut it in half. You have no idea how often this happens. And unfortunately even in the church. When God requires love. There's a reason why Jesus says deny Self. Do you know what that means? You can't be jealous. You can't be offended anymore. You can't be irritated. Because you're secure in truth. And you, you know, the other woman, she was willing to give up her child. 
people who are not able to give up, people who are not able to forgive, to pass on. The river, the design of God with his invading truth, with his gospel to pour out with love has not yet made its way out of you and I. 